Welcome to By the Fiberside, a knitting and spinning podcast from somewhere in the western half of Canada. Episode 81, Adjustments. Sometime during my gardening or construction helping or wood moving the last couple of days, I ended up with a sliver in the tip of my right index finger that has thus far resisted all efforts at removal. No amount of doing dishes or digging at it with a needle has thus far dislodged the little thing, which is just at the right angle that I notice it, but not all the time. It decides to make itself known when I use a knife, for example, and sometimes when I'm knitting, but I can sit here and type and I forget about it until the next time it tweaks a nerve. It's kind of funny how something so small can actually have such an impact, but then I remember that we are in the middle of a global lockdown because of a virus, also something very small, and it doesn't seem quite so surprising anymore. I'm trying to decide what to do about this little sliver. The needle treatment, which normally works well, has thus far only created a little hole in my finger and has not brought the sliver up high enough to remove with tweezers. I am keeping an eye out for signs of infection and will keep trying every day to remove it, but in the meantime I have some choices to make. My right index finger is my main drafting finger when I spin. It is the finger I use to knit, both to move my right needle and occasionally to push back my left needle. It is the finger I generally use on touchscreens and a whole host of other actions that I can't even list right now because they are so fundamental to my daily existence that they otherwise go unremarked upon. So I am left with basically three choices. Continue on as before, stop doing everything, or some combination of the two. Continuing on as before only works until the point that I do something that causes this little piece of wood or blackberry bramble stuck in my finger to move and forcibly reminds me that I am currently hosting an invader. No amount of willpower or positive thinking can change the fact that I have to be very conscious of what part of my fingertip I am using when I cut a piece of steak, or I'll pretty much drop the knife. So pretending nothing has changed is out of the question. But by the same token, I cannot stop doing things with my hands. Even if I did not have a spinning deadline, which I do, and it's coming up fast, the things I do with my hands ground me and help calm my mind, which has been battered and pummeled by the global pandemic and how it has played into my triggers. I am finally making good progress on the Alberta shawl, which has been on the needles for a few years. I'm getting my spinning groove back, which is also wonderful. And I am nearly done wrangling the blackberries and other trees and bushes around our yard, which haven't seen much pruning or attention since before we bought the place. The idea of giving all of these things up until the sliver works its way free enough to be removed is a non-starter. They are far too important at this moment in time to do away with, and being productive is one of the ways I am managing my COVID isolation. This is also the reason why I don't just cut the thing out. In this case, the cure would be much worse and take much longer to heal than the problem itself. So I am left with option three, which is to accept the reality of my situation while modifying what I do to account for my tiny unwelcome guest. Today I used my thumb and middle finger to draft and my index finger to control the twist in front of the drafting triangle, which worked out well because I was spinning a 75% silk blend. 
I knit two rows on the shawl, being more cognizant of how the stitches were moving along the left needle to ensure I didn't need to push it back with my fingertip. I did the dishes to help keep my injury clean and hopefully encourage the little thing to work its way loose enough to pull free. No luck there yet, but I keep hoping. And if despite all this it gets too sore, as it has started to after this amount of time spent tapping away on a keyboard, I will accept that limitation and rest my hands by reading a book or something else that doesn't require handwork. Despite what you may be thinking, the sliver is not actually a metaphor for COVID-19, at least not completely. I actually do have a sliver in my finger that's really bothering me. But after Randy had spent 15 minutes again today with a magnifying glass, bright light, and a needle, and only succeeded in making a small hole in my finger for the sliver to reside in, I spent a lot of time thinking about how I was going to manage the things I both needed and wanted to do with this small, very small, wrench thrown in the works. And in thinking about that, I realized that the sliver and how it affects my hands is just a microcosm of the pandemic and how it has affected my life. The thought process I went through to figure out how to manage the sliver can also be applied on the larger scale. A sliver, or a pandemic, is not the end of the world. No, we cannot do things the way we did them before. Yes, we should make adjustments to keep ourselves out of pain and as healthy as we can. Yes, we should keep looking and testing and figuring out what our solutions are, a little bit every day. And eventually, we'll be able to live again with less caution, less conscious thought about every action, and less stress. Thanks for listening. This is By the Fiberside. Fiber Week. Well, as expected, Fiber Week 2020 is cancelled. They have announced next year's date. That's June 18th to 24th, 2021. So while the this year's cancellation is not really great for people who have been wanting to stay on top of their master spinner, because only levels one and two can be done by distance, at least we, we've got the dates ready for next year. And, you know, that's it's a year away. And with any luck and no small amount of work, I'm not going to, you know, I'm sure of that. Uh, hopefully the scientists and researchers out there will figure out a way to manage COVID-19, either with a vaccine or treatments or better testing or what have you. So I'm just going to send all my best wishes out to the people who are doing that kind of work. So hopefully that makes 2021 Fiber Week a go. I mentioned in my essay that I have a spinning deadline, and I do. I have an article uh, that was accepted to spin off for the winter 2021 issue. So it's due by June 1st, which is not a lot of time. So I'm I'm really sort of focusing on that. I've, I've sketched out what I need to do. I need to spin a minimum of six and a maximum of 11 skeins. I'm thinking it will, if I have time, the nine would be really good. Um, but I also have to make samples of those and those all have to be down to spin off by June 1st. So I've really got to stay on top of it. But doing this is, has really kind of engaged me again in the spinning process. Not, not just, you know, as a means of making yarn, but also, you know, as a means of research. It's, 
you know, it's really got me thinking about the choices we make as spinners when we approach spinning, either spinning for a particular project or how to spin a particular yarn in our stash. And a lot of people, and I've been known to do it myself, just sort of sit down with it and go, okay, it'll be what it wants to be. But sometimes having a bit more information about the fiber types or even an idea of what you want to do with it can help in that way. Like some things just don't want to be spun fine. Some things don't want to be spun thick, right? So so there are all of these pieces that we can we can pull together. And, and so it's been really kind of nice to, to sit and think about that again for a little while. So I've blended up the first three skeins that I need to spin. And, and the, the good part of this also is that I, I've done the math on how much I need to spin. And it, about 10 grams will be enough for the sample and the, and the skein to go with it. So that's, that's, that's easily done. So I've, I've blended up the first three. I've spun the first, spun and plied the first one. I just got to stay on the top of those two. Once I get those three finished, I'll start making the samples for those, knitting the samples and work on the on the next three so that will be a lot of fun and i've also been doing a lot of thinking about capacity in my life because the, this episode is really late and i sincerely apologize for that but the reason is that i had a pretty bad breakdown just after easter or it, i just got really triggered there was a whole bunch of stuff that happened around then and I couldn't actually touch my computer for a week. Like I just, you know, without getting triggered again. So, so I've been coming back from that and it's been interesting. There, there's a few other things that I've realized along the way. I've realized that probably part of uh, what's going on in my brain is that this whole situation feels a lot like right after I had my stress injury in uh, 2019 where I did not go to work I sat at home and just focused on myself and so I've kind of and and but there's this whole big stressor of this 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 nebulous threat and all of these things and and I don't know about you uh, it's all over my Facebook about you know welcome to 2020 if you didn't already have an anxiety uh, disorder one will be assigned to you and all of this stuff I mean this this is stuff that we're all going through so I've been doing a lot of thinking about this and just working through things and doing a little bit of knitting, mostly gardening. But I've realized that uh, life is less about what I should do and more about what I can do, especially right now. And so, I mean, I could not put out the podcast. I just, because I could not sit down to my computer without bursting into tears. So I've been doing a little bit more of other things. I've been spending a lot of time out in the garden. We had a really beautiful week last week, like 25 degrees and gorgeous. And so I would get out in the morning when it was not terribly hot. And and I've been wrangling blackberry brambles. So <laughs> that's been fun, I guess. And, uh, and then coming back in. This week's been raining, so I've been doing a little bit more stuff around the house. Got through a bunch of paperwork, a few things that have been sitting on my to-do list. So these are all things that, you know, eventually I find myself capable of doing. Like today I sat down and got paperwork together for our taxes and went through a stack of mail and, and all of this stuff. And it was things that I just couldn't face until today. And I, I look at that too with my, 
with my fiber arts, with my spinning and with my knitting. And I try not to feel guilty about, you know, making myself do it. So, yeah, it's just, it's been an odd time. It's been an odd time in my brain. I hope it's, I hope, you know, me talking about these things helps you a little bit because you are not alone. I mean, I know I'm not alone and I know people out there are, are, you know, having difficulty with this and that's okay, you know, and it's okay to, to kind of take a step back and go, okay, if I can't do it, if I physically can't do it, I should not feel guilty about that. You know, and, and I mean, there's been a lot of, of stuff out there on the internet about how to manage this. And it's like, you know, sometimes it's a matter of saying, if I can do this one thing today, and it doesn't have to be big, right? Like tomorrow, I'm going to plant the peas that we have started here before they start, you know, attaching to all of our other plants. And if I get that one thing done tomorrow, then everything else is awesome. Everything else is extra. Anyway, I don't know if it helps, but it helps me and it helps me to talk about it. And I hope it helps some of you. So for those of you who are still working on your master spinner, keep doing that. Even if it's say, if you can get one single spun today, then do that. Or if you are finding yourself kind of in a, a funk where it comes to knitting or spinning, don't pressure yourself on it. You know, say maybe, maybe try and get one row done and see how that feels if you're knitting something. And if it doesn't feel good, stop, do something else. It's okay. So let's get back into level five. So module D2 in level five is designer yarns. And that's kind of old college shorthand for things that aren't just spun regularly from roving or what have you. So in level five, uh, and I can't quite recall if we still have those in there, but we have six designer yarns. Most of these are with color. So we were to spin a yarn where we draft two colors at the same time, spin three colors one after the other, and then do the chain ply to keep the colors the same. Oh, yeah, that one. Three separate colors on a hand card and card to keep the colors separate. And the whole idea here is that you make two row legs and they should match up exactly. Oh, I'll, I'll get into that. Then a heathered yarn, a garnet yarn, and then design a skein from a picture. This all sounds very, you know, fun and interesting, but again, it's not my bailiwick. <laughs> it's not what I like to do, is do this kind of designer stuff. Anyway, let's just move on. So drafting two colors together, I chose a red and a gold. And you basically just hold two colors of roving together and draft. And so you're gonna get blocks of one color, you're gonna get blocks of another color, and then you're gonna get some transition in between just based on how you draft. And then a chain ply. I think we all kind of know what a chain ply is, I hope, anyway. And then the three color row leg. Okay, so the three color row leg, and you lose marks if you know that your transitions are wrong. So to do this, you take your hand cards and you measure out small amounts of, in this case, red, yellow, and blue, 
and make sure that they're exactly the same weight of fiber. And then you put them on your cards with a little bit of overlap and then you card them very carefully and then make a roll leg. And so each roll leg should have say like one gram of blue, one gram of yellow, one gram of red. And so if you spin them exactly the same, the transitions between the colors should line up. My transition between yellow and blue lined up perfectly. My transition between yellow and red, on the other hand, was about almost a yard. <laughs> and it's not that I can't spin evenly. I just don't know what happened there. It's hard to do this. And in some ways, it's kind of an exercise that I wonder about. Even as an instructor, I wonder about this. It's like, how often are we actually going to be doing this when that this can't be achieved by, you know, measuring out particular amounts of yarn or amounts of fiber and then spinning them? Why do we have to card a three color roll egg and do it this way? And then on the one hand, it is sort of a skill test, but on the other, it's super frustrating. So anyway, I got it done. Then a heathered yarn, a heathered yarn is where you blend, you know, two or three colors together, but not, not a homogenous blend, um, a non-homogenous blend. And then you spin that. And then the garneted yarn. I hate garneted yarns with a passion. So garneted yarns are where you card up some fiber. And on the last time you card it through, you snip up little bits of already spun yarn and card it into your roll leg and then spin it. It is impossible to keep most of those little bits of yarn in your skein. Like as you, as you're spinning a roll leg, like you have to put in probably three times as many garnets as you want in your yarn because most of them are going to fall out. Really hate garnet yarns. But the last one, the last one was inspired by a picture and you have to use both color and texture in it. I chose a picture from one of my favorite digital artists. I've been following him since I was in university. Um, his name is Ryan Bliss and he is the artist behind Digital Blasphemy. So I chose one of my favorite pictures from him. It was a space scene and it just, that thought exercise. You know, I, I still remember thinking about how am I going to show this picture in yarn with both color and texture. So I I used, because it was a space scene, there was a lot of black. So I carded up some black as well as some colors from the image and some sparkle and spun a singles out of that. Then spun a black singles with a little bit of um, sparkle in it as well. And then when all was said and done, um, be just because of the picture I chose, and I'll put a link to it in the show notes, I, I uh, hand felted or wet felted um, little beehives of yellow fiber around certain places in the skein. And it worked out really well. So someday in my future, I do want to go through Sarah Anderson's book of yarn designs and try and spin some, if not all of them, because I recognize how much skill it takes to create good, solid, 
technically correct textured yarns. But again, it's not something I knit with. You know, it's it's not something I enjoy knitting with. I I would be more about it because of the skill, the the being able to uh, enhance my skills. And that's the reason why you know these particular exercises in the master spinner program are so important because even if you don't ever want to spin art yarns it's still important to have the skills and it really does push your skills to create these yarns i got i lost two marks somewhere in these six skeins no clue where but uh, if i had to guess i would say it would be the three color roleg because of that transition and possibly a, a, another mark off for uneven grist, if I had to guess. So that's what I have to say about designer yarns. You know, I, I can do a cool cable and I'm half decent at boucle sometimes, but, uh, but I definitely need more practice with it. It's definitely um, a skill that I need to work on. And I will. Once I'm done this article for spinoff, then I'll, I'll try and work on that. Next time for level five, we're gonna talk about specific TPI skeins. Uh, they've been in every level since level three, but these ones in level five are particularly interesting. And I'll tell you why in the next episode. Fiber notes. Even though I've been spending a lot of time outside in the garden, last week at least, I've still been making progress on a whole bunch of different projects. I am on the second last chart of the Alberta shawl and that, it's been on the needles for years. I think I wanted to have that done for the fashion show at Fiber Week in, I want to say 2018. So it's been a while. But of course, like all shawls, the rows keep getting bigger and bigger, and now they're over 300 stitches. And so, yeah, it's slowing down a little bit, but I keep working away at it. The return rows are all pearl now. There's no more double yarn overs. So so that uh, that's pretty good. And you know, I'll keep working on it. I'm about halfway through that second last chart. And the last chart's about the same length, probably about 20 rows. So yeah, it's getting there. I am getting closer to the end of the first bobbin of my ridiculous 160 gram gossamer project on my Lendrum. That's, uh, it's been going pretty well. I have to put that aside because of the, the spinning I have to do now for the article I'm going to write, but can't do that all the time. So, you know, when I just need to sit and relax, I'll do that. I'm still working in the treadles. There's a new squeak. I don't know where it's coming from. Well, I know it's coming from the treadles. I don't know why it's different now. It seems to have switched sides, but whatever, that's okay. It's still um, an excellent wheel and I am managing the noise. I just, I think I still have to run it in for another good long while before it will figure itself out. But I've really been thinking about casting on a new project. And it's not because I'm, you know, bored with the ones I have. It's just the ones I have are so big. And it's like they're never going to end. So 
I've been thinking a lot about it. I owe my sister a new pair of mittens for next fall. So my sister, I, I knit her a pair of mittens, actually everybody in my family a pair of mittens, gosh, a long time ago. And 2012, I think it was. And I've repaired her mittens three times now. So they're, it's getting to the point where I just have to knit her a new pair. So when I was there in February, we went to a yarn shop and picked out some yarn. And we corresponded over the internet about pattern. And so I know exactly what I'm going to do. It's just a matter of starting it. And of course, now we're into spring. So she doesn't really need it before the fall. But... A pair of mittens I can get through and this is actually a, a pattern I've knit before so I'm on the one hand I'm like oh, I'll just cast it on it's no big deal and on the other I'm, I'm like oh you should probably finish something first and that something would be the shawl so I think that's what I'm going to do I'm going to keep working on the shawl until I can't stand it anymore and then I'm gonna cast on for those mittens and that's uh, I think that's how I'm, I'm gonna approach it I also succumbed to temptation and uh, I was getting some supplies for my introduction to plant fibers class that will hopefully still be going ahead at the Sunshine Coast Fiber Camp in September from my friend Kara at Spin Heart Spin and she had done a live a few Saturdays ago where she was dyeing some roving. Uh, so this beautiful multicolored Corydale roving. And so, uh, since she was sending me some stuff anyway, I said, hey, how about one of those braids that you dyed? And she sent me one, and it's gorgeous, and I really want to start spinning it. But again, no. I am going to <laughs> just wait until I finish something. Probably, the article spinning comes first, and then if I can get done the one gossamer bobbin, then maybe I'll spin thicker this time and uh, make something out of this beautiful Corydale braid. The one I got is kind of yellows and greens and purples and blues and really, really is gorgeous. So if you uh, want to, you can check out that live at um, on Kara's Facebook page at Spin Heart Spin. I'll put a link to that in the show notes and you can see the other things that she dyed. She goes into a kind of her process too and uh, and it's really it's really fun to watch. So that and working outside, those are the things that I've been working on the last little while. Making progress, but kind of wanting to do something smaller that is finished a little more quickly than the things that I usually do. By the Wayside talked a little earlier about capacity and trying not to make feel guilty about you know not doing something and in the last episode I was all gung-ho about working on the accolade and then it was beautiful weather outside and so I would go outside and work on the blackberries and when I came back in I would be just too tired to work on the accolade and then I had a breakdown and all of these things so I actually haven't worked on it since the last episode And not for lack of trying. I've actually pulled it out a couple times and kind of sat there and looked at it and just put it away again. And part of that is my brain. 
there's a lot of angst still wrapped up in the accolade. A lot of, you know, oh, you should be able to get this done and it's just backstitching and, you know, why are you so frustrated? And I just couldn't add on that to what I was already going through. But I am coming out of it. And that I think is important. You know, I actually took it out again the other day and I was almost ready to work on it. So I don't feel guilty about not making any progress on the accolade because I've made a ton of progress on my brain. And being able to work on the accolade before the next episode means that I have continued to make that progress. So unfortunately, no real update on the accolade uh, this episode, but you know, in a couple weeks, I'm thinking, yeah, there'll be, if not a lot, then definitely some. Thank you for joining me for episode 81. By the Fiberside is a bi-weekly podcast, and I look forward to bringing you episode 82 on May 10th, 2020. Show notes for this episode can be found at www.bythefiberside.com. Join the discussion on Facebook or Ravelry. If you need to get in touch with me directly, you can email me at bythefiberside, that's F-I-B-R-E, at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. This is By the Fiberside.